Hey everyone, it's Raghu and I'm back with Ramdas here and now with my partner in the background there, Maya. And uh, happy to be here today. And before I get into uh, this particular talk from Ramdas, I want to just mention the Ramdas Fellowship that we have as part of Love Server member offerings. And these are wonderful get-togethers online. We'll be starting to do them uh, in person as things completely transform, as we hope, uh, regarding the pandemic. And uh, so the the fellowship, uh, particularly if you would go to ramdas.org slash fellowship, and you will get an idea of what this is. But, uh, you know, it's a wonderful way to get with satsang and have conversation and connection and and as Thich Nhat Hanh said, uh, the next uh, Buddha is the Sangha, or the next guru is the Satsang, however which way you want to characterize it. And um, so the kind of sharing that goes on in these wonderful gatherings uh, is uh, something that we've gotten more feedback about how much this means to all of us. And I'm just happy that the foundation has created this. And over the last couple of years, it's grown, obviously, with the pandemic being part of it. And uh, so, yeah, check this general fellowship. We have different fellowships uh, for different groups uh, uh, as part of uh, the offerings. But this is just everybody from every walk of life and... uh, it's going to happen a week from when this goes on, which is in the first week in May, so second week in May. Uh, so go sign up at the fellowship at ramdas.org slash fellowship. And the other thing is to remind you about the, um, the wonderful new summer mountain retreat in Boone, North Carolina, August. I'm doing this without cue cards or prompting. August 20. 5th through 29th in, as I said, in Boone, North Carolina at the Art of Living Center. Krishnas will be doing there, Kirtan and workshops, and Bob Thurman and Sharon Salzberg will be zoomed in at this point. Um, East Forest is going to be there. Spring Washam, this amazing teacher who's involved, wonderful meditation and mindfulness teacher from the Spirit Rock, Jack Cornfield's place out west in California and does also shamanistic stuff. Uh, so she's going to be there. Benji, Wertheimer, and Shantala will be there. He'll be there with his wife, Heather. And we'll be doing nature walks and uh, chanting in nature. Nina Rao is going to be there. So it's a very rich, rich event. Go to... Uh, ramdas.org slash mountain retreat. All right. That's all the uh, the news that's fit, so to speak, right now. So this uh, talk from Ramdas harks back to, where does it go back to? 19... 19- October 14th, 1975, in Portland. And uh, the title will be The Continuity of Consciousness. But I just read the first few, or heard the first few lines, read the notes on it. 
the first few lines, the first three words got me, which Ramdas was saying, let's get practical, which, you know, it's not exactly uh, immediate enlightenment, but to me it is. Um, I, I just, uh, and this is off what he, this the topic a little bit, because he's talking about, um, you know, all of the ways in which we just grasp at life and it's never enough. And then something happens in you, a longing happens for something beyond that pulls you uh, even to this particular talk that he was giving at that time or this podcast, not much different, but let's get practical. So for me, it's um, when people really start to go on and they get, you know, on the path, on the spiritual path, and they're trying to get to know themselves uh, much more profoundly, shall we say. But then we can get a little overreaching, uh, which really can precipitate that spiritual bypass stuff. And we get overreaching in, in terms like enlightenment become the, you know, that's the brass ring. And boy, there's a lot that separates between entering the path and getting to know oneself and enlightenment that that is i usually tell people if they ask about that that's beyond my pay grade i have no idea but just starting with emptying out of the neurotic stuff right uh, i call it de-escalate your bullshit i should do a book on that uh and i use myself as a starting point for sure um but one of the, one of the ways to get practical for for me, and I would happily suggest it to anybody, is um, just getting simplifying, as I said, and uh, the emptying out of the neurotic stuff, and working on being kind. That that's a to me a. Um, a higher plateau than enlightenment. Being kind, starting with being kind to oneself and then kind to those around us. Just uh, that alone is, uh, talk about practical. And Ramdas, uh, I've been using this quote since I found it in his, uh, the Words of Wisdom book that's out there now, Ramdas' Words of Wisdom. It's a great book with all, you know, it's uh, themed, and so you can turn to a page and, and really get inspiration for, for on that particular day. Anyhow, I found it in this quote, and I have been using, you know, I'm, many of you probably have heard me say it either here or on Mind Rolling, the podcast I do where I talk to different folks on the Be Here Now Network. He said, I myself... Stand in need of the arms of my own kindness. That's probably the most difficult thing on the spiritual path for any of us to um, execute, shall we say, to transform ourselves by virtue of, you know, I myself stand in the need, in, the, in need of the arms of my own kindness. I just love that. I love it. And um, so uh, yearning is, is a lot of what Ramdas talks about in this, uh, in this particular talk. And um, 
And he basically says it's a ticket to the next plane of consciousness. And uh, I, that's such a uh, core bhakti yoga thing, yearning. Uh, uh, I myself, there, there's wonderful ragas that, uh, the, of, of Indian music, and Jai Utah's an incredible uh, pro- Western proponent of it. He was a student of Ali Akbar Khan. Those of you who don't know Jai, go check him out. Uh, but he uh, spent a lot of time with him, and he would, uh, he actually taught me a bunch of different ragas and how they moved people. And one of them um, is the, it's called Bhairavi, and it's really talk about yearning and the way in which one is uh, moving towards a merge with that which is called by many different names, you know, divine presence is a good one. So yearning certainly is a, a major uh, path for people. Uh, and using chant, of course, the, which is a lot of what we brought back from India uh, when we were with Neem Karoli Baba. And uh, so chant is very much part of that, to express that yearning. Uh, okay. Now, let's get to the, to the main item here. And this is, again, we're t- I think we're calling it the Continuity of Consciousness from 1975 in Portland, Oregon. And uh, this is Ramdas here and now on the Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and catch up with all of the wonderful teachers, thought leaders that are on the network. See you next time. Let's get very practical. You've gotten this far in this society, but there's some discomfort in you. Because no matter how much you've tried to collect your rushes in life, it hasn't been enough. There is some longing in you There is some yearning in you. There's something in you that pulls you to this gathering at this moment. Many of you were told, the more you have, the better it will be. In material things, houses, cars, airplanes, vacations, etc. But then some of you saw through that one because you saw that more wasn't necessarily better. Not enough isn't good either. But somewhere between not enough and more seems to be enough. (laughs) For more definitely doesn't improve the situation. And people who thought more would do it end up either alcoholics, bitter, or on the psychiatrist's couch, or using tranquilizers, because they put all their cards, all their eggs in the basket that more would be enough, and it didn't turn out to be. You understand what I'm saying? So you said, well, I'll lead a simple life, and that'll be enough. But you were still living in the world. And simple 
meant just doing more of everything simply. So instead of let's fly to Tokyo for breakfast, it's let's go see the sunrise. Now let's go for a swim. Now let's cut the wood, that'll be fun. Let's dance. Let's smoke. Let's carve. Let's fix the motor. Let's eat. Somehow feeling that even though it was all simple, if you put the experiences close enough together, the rushes, it would be enough. So you design your life for rush after rush after rush after rush. There's the first cup of coffee in the morning. Ah. Or moo tea, it doesn't matter. And on it goes, moment after moment, rush after rush after rush. The idea being we'll not collect a lot of one thing, we'll have a lot of little ones, we'll leave simple life. And we'll get them in very close together. And we'll never have to face ourselves in the mirror. And then some of you got your life even simpler. And you got so you could sit on the porch. Everybody called you lazy, but you weren't. You were just sitting on the porch. It was enough. You could watch spring come and summer and fall. Somebody had to keep an eye on them to keep them straight. And your mind became more and more empty. You weren't busy plotting rushes, which is what most people in society are doing. That's what it is. Time magazine is a tribute to rush plotters. <laughs> So you start to have spaces, and the spaces are a little freaky at first because your mind keeps making models of what those spaces are, keeps saying you're lazy, or this is meditating, that's a good one. He kept labeling what it is the space is, because you have to have a label, you have to know where you're at. Meditating, the concept I am meditating is still rush collecting. You understand? And for some of you, the spaces have gotten very peaceful. 
Some of you have experienced deep peace. Deep, deep peace. Feeling of well-being. Feeling of harmony. Many of you yearn for that. Some of you have experienced that. Not many of you live in it. The predicament then is that peace turns out to not be enough. For there is in you something that yearns for more. You may have made your life simple, righteous, humanly beautiful in a worldly sense. You love your children, you're straight in your economics, you've got your scene together simply, you're ecologically conscious, you are a participant in social action to override prejudice and inequality and economic hardships. You are an actively participating person in all of the social roles of your incarnation. You honor your nationality, you honor your religion, you honor your sexual identity, you honor your social roles. You honor your talents and your creativity. That's pretty much, that's what Abe Maslow would call just about a self-actualized being. That's what most therapies hold as the epitome of it all. That's what trainings like EST are designed to do. That's what Arika does, is designed to do. That's what things like Esalen were about, what the whole growth movement was about. That's pretty good stuff. Most of you wouldn't mind having that at all. But when someone comes to me and I say, what is it you want? And they say, peace. I say, okay, is it a deal that you'll settle for that? If you get peace, you won't ask for anything else? That's all you want, peace, right? And then they're not so sure. Because all of that is still within the world. And who you are is far more interesting than that. For to be the son without knowing the father is to have missed the point of the game.
to not recognize your source, to not be identified with your source, to not realize that you are the creator of the dance that you are doing. is to miss the mark. And when you have your game all together and there is still that yearning inside of you, many of you treat that yearning as some kind of psychopathology. You say, I don't understand why I'm still unhappy. I've got it all. That yearning is your ticket to the next plane. That's your ticket for spiritual awakening. You have been born many times and many times you have died. And each time you have died, you have struggled against death. You've said, why me? Save me, heal me. Do whatever you need to do, doctor transplant, freeze, do whatever needs to be done. Cut, mend, but keep me here. And you hold desperately to the bedsheets and struggle against death. And then you're dead. And then a voice says to you, hello. <laughs> And you say, I guess I didn't die. And the voice said, oh, to the contrary, you're quite dead. Time and time again, death after death, you have rejected that voice and stayed in what the Christians call purgatory. You've stayed in a state of confusion between births. And by beings and processes other than your specific consciousness, because you were busy being in the illusion of someone who was confused, your next round was designed and you were born into it. And you came into the womb at the time of conception and by the time of birth, you were busy being a baby. The veil had descended and here you were with no memory whatsoever of what had transpired before. Again and again, you did that. And then at some point, for many of you it was many births ago, for some of you it is this very birth, 
in the middle of one of the births, by some peculiar circumstance, there was a break in the veil of the illusion and you saw through the fabric of the big facade, the big show, the passing show, and you realized that it wasn't the way you thought it was. That awakening or seeing through may have lasted a millisecond. That's all it would take that long. If you weren't ready in that birth because of the heaviness of the work you still had to do and the requirement that you stay deep in the illusion, you deny that and you say, I went crazy for a moment. I quote in every lecture a very powerful statistic in the world, in the New York Times last year in the Sunday section, a study of mysticism in America in which it said two-fifths of the population of America have experienced a mystic transcendent experience. That's 40 million plus. Of those two-fifths, a sampling showed that 85% said it was the most powerful experience of my life and I never want to have another one. <laughs> For only some people, when they see through that veil, are able to utilize that new awareness. And when you are really ripe, that one millisecond changes your whole life from then on, that lifetime. And when you are really ready, that one moment makes you say, from here on, all I wish to do now is get free. Now, when you have started to waken within a lifetime and then you die, you say, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, and then you're dead and somebody says, welcome, and you say, I guess I didn't die, and they say, yes, you did, and you are confused, and then the memory of that moment in that previous birth when you awaken comes to you and you say, Oh, right. This is what that was about. And now you have started to tune in to the continuity of consciousness that exists behind the dips into incarnations and back again. And as you get more evolved in an evolutionary sense, you get to the point where you are helping to program your own incarnations. And you say, well, let's see what I need to do this time. I think I'll be born in a poor community in Africa. I'll be raped when I'm 10. I'll develop rickets. That would be useful. 
I'll finish that birth when I'm 23. That's perfect. Right. Okay, let's see if I got the parents that will be right for that one. Right, here they are. All computed. Here we go. See ya. And back in. And then you spend that life saying, why has this happened to me? (laughs) That's the predicament you're in right now. You did this to yourself. When you begin to have that conscious continuity behind these births and deaths, to give you an idea of numbers, Buddha at one point looked back to see his last 99,000 incarnations, which he saw in a flick of an eye, since on channel eight you see behind time, so you see everything past, present, and future simultaneously. When you start to exist in that consciousness that exists behind incarnations, then the meaning of an incarnation changes. And you begin to look with wonder and with appreciation of the exquisiteness of the design of the way in which you suffer. Because you begin to recognize, in truth, that suffering is grace. That's a far out one. See, up until that time, you've been seeking to optimize pleasure. And though you heard that holy men were known to have said, one to me is pleasure and pain, you said, well, man, that isn't for me. I want pleasure and I want to avoid as much pain as possible. But once you understand that a birth is like a process of getting you straight or cleaning you up or awakening you, and that you are part of a far more interesting game which you begin to be aware of in terms of your own identity than the particular melodrama of the incarnation then the meaning of every act in life starts to change. And you look at all of it as process for awakening, for cleaning up your game. So that you were agitated and you made your life simple and you got peace and then you had peace and then suddenly it wasn't enough. It isn't that you made a mistake It is that you are growing, and now you are in a new space, and that is a result of everything that went on right up to that point. And you get to the point that you don't begrudge your history, no matter how neurotic it has been, for it has in it the stuff which has created the space you're in at this moment, which allows you to hear right now. Is this too heavy? You want me to? I can turn it more into showbiz if you want, but it, it's hard to know. You know. It's so dark out there. Everybody may have gone home. I don't know. 
Maybe we'll have some music for a moment. That'd be nice. A musical interlude. Hey, interlude, would you? Yeah. We'll sing together. And while we're singing, if you want to stretch, you can stretch, but we'll sing Lighthouse. Blind Willie Johnson. Blind Willie. Huh? Blind Willie. But don't be afraid to sing with us. Won't hurt you. Nobody will count. a gospel song. It's called Lighthouse, and the chorus goes like this.
This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at Ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.